Hello everyone and welcome to episode 58 of the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodson. This episode is with Shermona Mitchell. My good friend Danielle Daggerty had recommended her as a guest after I got to see both of them in Sound Theatre Company's production of And Jesus Moonwalks the Mississippi. Uh, Shermona played Jesus and she was... I love her energy and exuberance and power on stage as an actress. I also got to see her play Leo in Copious Love's production of Codename Kansas at 12th Avenue Arts. And so it was absolutely wonderful to sit down and talk with her. She's very dynamic and engaging and authentic. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with her. She has a couple of upcoming projects uh, currently running in Seattle Public Theater's Best Christmas Pageant Ever. Uh, that runs through... December 24th, uh, Art House is going to be Saturday, January 2nd, and then she's going to be uh, directing one of the acts of Stage Right Theater's production of Weird Romance, and that's going to be February at Hugo House. Links and info are all in the episode description there for you. Uh, before we move on to the episode itself, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Deborah Campbell Design. Deborah Campbell owner and principal of Deborah Campbell Design, an award-winning residential interior design firm. An avid arts supporter, Deborah is both a board member and officer for Whidbey Island Center for the Arts and Island Shakespeare Festival. Uh, you can learn more at DeborahCampbellDesign.com. And speaking of Island Shakespeare Festival, I want to tell you about my next upcoming project, Bard and Brew at the Tap Room at Bayview Corner. We had such fun doing Macbeth earlier this year, and so this is going to be the first Bard and Brew stage reading of 2016, a production of Twelfth Night on Twelfth Night. I'm so excited for this because Twelfth Night was one of the first Shakespeare plays I ever encountered. I believe I was 10 or 11, and I still remember that scene, that joke with Sir Andrew and Sir Toby and Maria, where Sir Toby asks Andrew to accost Maria. Anyway, I get to play Sir Andrew. I ordered a mustache online. I ordered a binder top. We're going full drag here, folks. It's going to be fun. Castmates are Bristol Branson, Lucy Pierce, episode guest, Melanie Lowey, Damian Cortez, Samuel Cowan, Morgan Bondolin, Gabe Harshman, Aaron Simpson, Michael Robinson, and Ken Stevens. Rosewoods directs January 6th, Tap Room at Bayview Corner, 7 o'clock. Make sure you get there early to grab a seat since there was standing room only last time. Also, I know this is this is not the Nerdist podcast, and so there's not a community corkboard, but there are things I want to let you folks know about. One thing I'm really excited about is Erin Pike's project, That's What She Said, which is a performance piece that she developed with Courtney Meeker, uh, and then later brought Jessica Hatlow on to direct, which is a one-woman show taking lines from the most popular plays produced in 2013 and 14, uh, lines that women speak in those plays, uh, she is tackling the theatrical patriarchy head-on in this piece. They're currently doing a Kickstarter. Uh, the link to that is in the episode description as well. The show goes up at uh, Gay City Kaladi Brothers Coffee in that wonderful space, uh, February 4th through 7th. 
Uh, we'll have the link for tickets as well in the episode description. And I, I already bought my ticket for that. I'm going to be there. Come hang out with me. I'm seeing it on the 6th. So, please enjoy episode 58 with Shermona Mitchell. I'm glad to have you listening to the podcast. I'm very pleased to welcome Shermona Mitchell to the podcast. Welcome! What, what? Hello! We were just sort of, we're doing a little pre-interview beforehand, and I was like, why aren't we recording the whole thing? Because you are, I've seen you on stage in a couple of things, and in person, you're even more delightful. Oh, thank I've you. I've about 15 minutes in person. And thank you. Uh, thank you to our good friend, Danielle Daggerty for recommending you Danielle, as being a fantastic podcast guest. Yes. So the first time I encountered your work was with Sound Theater Company's production of And Jesus Moonwalks, the Mississippi. Mm. And you played Jesus. Yes. Do you want to talk no, about no, no, no pressure. I mean, like, no, I mean, hey. like, what was that audition process, and when you encountered that script, and then how did you sort of jump into starting to create that character? Uh, beginning of the process, I went in, and uh, you know, you get the script, and especially for that show, that script is hard. It is dense, and it makes you want to call home and say, Mom, I might have made a mistake, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so when I looked at it, I was like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, the opening monologue by Mississippi, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't get that show. And so when I got a call being like, hey, do you want to be in our show? And I was like, are you for real? <laughs> um, and then I was cast as a tributary, and then a series of events we had a cast member who was ill and we had to rearrange some casting and I was in tech for are you there God it's me Karen Carpenter and you know that point in tech when you're literally about to die and you're like can somebody carry me to bed I right. want to be like I'm right. five feed me um <laughs> I got that phone call <laughs> during that moment and I was like wow thanks you want me to be Jesus okay that's a marvelous promotion uh I'll worry about that tomorrow. Thanks. And I said yes. And as you do with each role that you take, you're like, yes, nailed it. And you don't think about the repercussions of like, hey, you're going to be Jesus. <laughs> you're going to be a black female Jesus. You don't think about those things. You're like, yeah. So once I, I got there, and let's be clear, uh, my first rehearsal, I had just put my cat down, my cat of like seven years. Wow. I had to put her down, and I had 20 minutes to get to rehearsal, and I was all like, I'm going to be Jesus, and my cat died. <laughs> I, it, was, it was one of those things that you're just like, and this is life. This is theater life. You know, you leave it at the door. And I, I got in there, and Tyrone Brown, I love that man. I love that man. I love that man. I love that man. He's got so many ideas going at 100 miles per hour on like so many interstates that you're like boo i'm at the crosswalk i'm not crossing right now i'm too scared and he's like just cross you're gonna be okay and i'm like Ugh. and you know we got there i think for myself personally in building jesus and, and that's when building jesus <laughs> how, do, how do you even deal with that um I always like to take the things that are true about me. And uh, if you want to get all biblical, spiritual, religion, religious about it, um, for me, what I was taught, I went to a lot of religious school, like a ridiculous amount of religious school. By the time I graduated, I was like, you know what? I'm a daily religion because <laughs> I just knew and had gone to so many schools about religion that I could celebrate each 
each different thing. So I was like, this is what I hold true about God um, and about Jesus and about the dogma that surrounds that of like, we are created in his image and you know, what's true on earth is true is in heaven. So um, with Free Girl, she needed a friend. She needed a mother. She needed a confidant. She needed a protector. And at times she needed all of these things at once. And for me, it was be what she needs. And right. as that combination, that kind of locked up the Jesus that everyone kind of saw and embodied. And I don't, I mean, like I personally don't think it is about, uh, you know, you've done this and you've done that. I'm like, look, I'm pretty sure you told me he died on the cross for my sins. So I get a free pass. Am I wrong? <laughs> so if that's the case, you know, go out and, and do it and be happy about the choices that you're making. So that light that I believe in and that I believe that freedom of just being kind of came out through that. And uh, it, it was a great process. I really felt like for those months that I was rehearsing that and I was with that cast and they were wonderfully wonderfully talented we have Lindsay, we had tsunam we had jesse we had so many people danielle once again who were just absolutely marvelous and who were throwing themselves in it and each day you kind of you swim and you're like i don't know if i get it but i'm gonna keep swimming and then the next day you just keep going and you're like okay this is further than we intended it to go and that's great and I just happened to play Jesus. <laughs> so, um, Is yeah. that the way it was written in the script for, for a woman to play that role? It's interesting because we had Marcus Gardley come down for... Uh, the playwright, yes? Yeah, the playwright. Uh, he came down and he spoke and we did another reading of his show. And I, I spoke with him and I was like, so... Riddle me this, Batman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm like, riddle me this. Uh, is it supposed to be played... By a female, and he's like, I specifically left that open. You know, it, it, this was the only second production that he had seen and had knew of that had had a female black Jesus. And he was like, you know, I, I left it open for a reason, and for that, it's open to interpretation. And then we had that discussion of like, you know, you can make the choices. I've I created enough boundaries that if you're a smart actor, if you do your text analysis you can make the choices unto yourself and you know where the boundaries are. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm smart enough, but I think I got there, great. So that was really interesting. And then also just having that reaction, I guess, from audiences of a black female Jesus. You know, it's one mm. thing to say, oh, Jesus was black. You know, you have a lot of people who are like, of course Jesus was black. And you have a lot of people who are like, I don't think Jesus is a woman. I'm like, okay, that's on you. That's that's your thought. I respect it. Good on you. Uh, but that was my reality. That's what I come to the table with. I can't get rid of the skin color and I can't get rid of the parts. I'm not going to. But so, yeah, it, it was that moment where there were a lot of people that were really hesitant. They were like, you're Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and then we would start that dialogue of why, why can't I be Jesus? And it really came down to, it wasn't ever about the race. It was about the sex. It's like, but you're a female. Okay. So this world that has been created and that continues to go on could not be created by a woman. Like, it is interesting. And for those who, who didn't see this, and it was a great, great production. I mean, 
it's a really challenging play, as you were saying. Oh, but yeah. The production values, the acting, like, it was what theater should do. It should yeah. challenge and provoke dialogue. Uh, and there was this, a really strong sense of mystic realism to yeah. it all. And so it wasn't, like, biblical <sighs> times, Last Supper. Yeah. <laughs> it was... No, Jesus loved grits. Hello! <laughs> that was my favorite part, eating those grits. They weren't really grits. They were mashed potatoes, and I was happy to have them. <laughs> I was like, please, Jesus wants some grits. Over here, right here. Nope. Can I get some more? I would. I would just sit there <laughs> with my plate out like Oliver being like... I'm going to need some more. <laughs> and I would just look at him scooping and I'm like, mm-hmm. two more scoops. <laughs> and I was trying to eat all the mashed potatoes because that's what I do with my life. That's amazing. Thank you. That's honesty. <laughs> Did you have uh, talkbacks with the audience? We had one talkback. Uh, Valerie Curtis Newton. Uh, Love her. She's amazing. She's a, she's a Hedgebrook alum, actually. Yeah, yeah, she is phenomenal and brilliant. And I want to walk around in her mind, and I'm afraid I'd get lost. <laughs> but I think it'd be amazing. Uh, she she facilitated a talk back, and we had Marcus, the playwright, there again, along with the cast. And it's it's interesting just learning about who Marcus is, how he writes, um, the things that he believes in, and to have him there, and then to watch it, and to be like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to give you the answers, which is really great because sometimes, you know, you're like, did I do it right? And he's like, not going to tell you. And you're like, I hate you. <laughs> um, that's always horrible. But at the same time, it does leave that veil of mystery, which is needed, especially for his shows. Uh, they're based off of a lot of true historical events and then morphed in or crafted into stories, you know, either from personal family history or from events that have happened and then he pits his personal narration upon it which is really great but at the same time you're just like this is somebody's life as it always is it's always somebody's life don't get me wrong but I don't know sometimes as a black actor um sometimes it's easier to be Jesus than it is a slave because your mind will let you go there your mind will let you say, what if all the best parts of me shined? You know, um, as opposed to, you know, am, am I worthy? And I think as a black actor, personally, and I don't speak for every black actor, so don't y'all come for me. Hmm. Um, I think I personally feel this way of, um, I secretly will never know if I'm talented or if I am just a person of color. And that, that is my reality. I mean, there are times when I get sad and I cry about it, and there are times where I'm like, whatever. Uh, but th- that's my reality, you know? So. Do you mind dig- digging into that a little? Not that I want you to cry or anything yeah, like no, that. Yeah, no, I'm not going to cry. I put uh, on a good mascara today. Talking about the, I mean, it's a national conversation. Um, I believe it was a letter some, it was a letter, it was from TCG, or uh, talking about, in terms of licensing plays, because there was, did you read about, there was a production of uh, the Martin Luther King play, where they they cast a white white actor as Martin Luther King, and it got shut down, and then as a response to that, there's a statement issued that, um, what was it, Uh, 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 directors can only, productions can only cast uh, 
people race as indicated in the script. Uh, and so there's that going on, and I want to know how you feel about that. And then also just sort of the local and national conversation about racial equity in casting, or is it colorblind casting? Is it color conscious casting? casting. Yeah. How, is that, how have you encountered that personally, and what what's what are your thoughts on it? All right. That's a big, big question. Worms, right? Hello, worms. I wish I had some gummy worms here. <laughs> but I, um, yeah. Uh, so to start and answer your question with Mountaintop, um, I did hear the story, yes. Did I read it? I skimmed the article. Um, I'm going to be honest about that. Uh, I personally feel in the vein of if the playwright has said, you know, the way Tony Kushner does in Angels in America, Belize can only be played by a black male. Do you know how awesome I'd be at Belize? I'd be awesome. You would. That and Tracy Turnblad. I'd be like, what? Nailed it. <laughs> um, but for specific reasons, I can't play either of those characters. So at some point, you have to just own up to the fact that that's not for you. You can't change that. You can't morph it. Directors can't change it, morph it. Casting directors can't do it either. So just let it be. It's it's not your Lego. Don't play with it. Um, as well as, I, I think, yes, there's an opportunity to say, I want to add more people of color to my show. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to say, yes. Yes. I want to know that I am talented and I earn my right in this show. There's a part of me that also understands everybody's playing the game. Everybody's playing the game. It's like, oh, we're missing, we're missing some color here, huh. and uh, it, it's a conversation that's being had, and it's a conversation that applies to me, and it's a conversation. You know, the fact is, it works in my favor, whether I like it or not, and that is just a fact. Uh, did I? Do I believe that? I wish that we could all just be hired. On the talent of our skills and not the color of our skin. Yeah, I went there. Wow. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> Good. I'm I, glad I, you went there. I, I, I do because, like I said earlier, I'll, I'll never secretly know. Am I talented or not? I don't know. Or am I just a black girl? It's like, you know what? We can get a pudgy girl and a black person if we hire her and then we've got a twofer i mean and, and we we as yeah. humans can say the worst things to ourselves so right. that's me being honesty with honest with my thoughts uh but at the same time you know there's a lot of dialogue that say like no colorblind casting we should all be colorblind casting and i, I go back and forth with the thought of like colorblindness you know um, when, when talking about events of like, no, I only see people, I'm colorblind, things like that. Um, there's a part of me that's like, cool, good for you. And there's a part of me that's like, you have to acknowledge my blackness because right. I have to acknowledge it. If we walked into Nordstrom's together right now, I'm wearing all black, you're wearing blue, I've got a backpack, you know? I put my headphones on and one of us becomes a suspect and one of us is shopping. Right. That is the reality of my life. So uh, we, I think we need to start talking about, yes, you see the color. That's fine to see the color. But do you also see the talent? You know, and I love Bucket. You know, they've got um, Emma up and it's a colorblind 
cast and I appreciate that. I appreciate that because a lot of my career has been based on colorblindness. So don't don't stop giving me roles just because I'm like, ah, colorblindness. Um, but at the same time, it it's really hard. It's really hard because you're like, am I the affirmative action of acting? You know? And nobody wants to sit in that that seat. It's not good for anybody. But there are some talented people of color that are out here that are wanting to work that I'm like, why has nobody seen you? Why are you not working? Like, what? And I don't know if it's like, okay, well, well, we'll work on black people this season. And then we'll do Latinas next season. And then we'll do an Asian show. You know? And it's like, I don't even know if I, I, I I'm stifling a laugh because yeah. I don't even know like if I can give myself permission to laugh at that. No, totally do. There are people who unfortunately think like that. Yes, and I mean like, and, and they're making the choices for their seasons, they're making the choices for their companies, they're making the choices for my artistic life as well. And I appreciate that and I appreciate being considered and being called into the room and being seen. But at the same time, if I have to debate whether I can be in the Brown show this year or whether I can be in a show, you know? And, and that's the other thing. There's so many times that we as people of color so rarely see each other. You know, there was a moment where I was in audition and it was a black show. And I'm like, where did all y'all come from? Because when <laughs> the slaves come up, y'all don't want to show up to those auditions. But when we were in somewhere else, you're all like, look at me, I'm here. And I'm like, what? And I get it. Everybody has their own personal issue with slavery, working as a slave, as an actor. I know people who they're like, you know what? I don't do slave roles. I just don't. And that, that is fine. That's, that's their right. That's their choice as an actor of how they want to work their career. Um, I've done it. It helps me kind of, I grew up in the South as a military brat. So I've, I've heard some of the worst things you can say to a human. I have been chased by the Klan. Um, yeah, I just these these are these are my life facts. And so when someone says, "All right, so we're going to get you on this block, and you're going to go at the auction slave, and then we're going to do this part," and I'm like, "There's a part of you that does need to detach, because right. if you think about it in all of its fullness, it's too much. It's too much." And um, I was trying to explain this to the boyfriend. And he's like, well, why do those roles make you upset? And I'm like, imagine having to be a Nazi or a slave owner for like half or three quarters of your season. You know, that is what I'm doing. I am going to a place where I sort of understand and I get it and I understand what it is to be ripped away from your family, but I cannot physically go to that place of like, you're shackled in a boat next to people who are dead it, you know like it's just too much it's too much t i okay new topic new topic <laughs> yeah i'm i we're moving on i appreciate yeah. you being as transparent as that and i'm yeah I'm glad to have your conversation <laughs> yeah let's talk about you as a kid awesome growing up awesome uh, what do you want to know <laughs> I mean, were you, were you performing in your backyard? Were you, what, where did this, uh, where did your attraction to and love of performance come from? Um, I was not. 
I, hmm. no, I was not attracted to it. I think in the way that kind of every actor does, I was like watching TV and being like, I could do that better. <laughs> you, you know, you're like, mm, really? That's the choice he made. I look at it with my adult brain now. And I was like, I was so judgmental as a little person to actors. Um, but it wasn't until I was in high school, uh, there's this really wacky lady and now that I have my adult brain and I can look back with it I'm like oh no you're totally an artist you're totally theater you are all the wackadoos that a little girl in Catholic boarding school was just not ready for so I was like okay and so she was like hey you I was like <laughs> ah! because I wasn't the wonderful vibrant person that we all know and love today I was still like this little kid of like I only spoke. Or I only speak when spoken to. Um, I please people. I'm a people pleaser. We're Southern. It's what we do. Right. Um, so she was like, "Hey, you, come in here." I was like, "Okay." She's a teacher. I have to do this. Right. And she's like, "Read this. <laughs> Make me laugh." So I read it. I made her laugh. She's like, "Hmm." <laughs> read it now. Make me cry. I was like, "Okay." So I read it. She cried. She's like, "Okay, cool." Uh, come back to this room in next week sometime. And I was like, okay, thanks. Bye. Uh, and that's how I learned about drama and things like that. And so I did forensics, uh, where you're like, hi, I'm going to do I so did forensics yes! in high school. You forensic nerds. I did four, four years gold medals at state. What? <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, it was great. I did search for signs. Um, of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Yes. Yeah. And it was that first opening monologue where Trudy's out there. She's like, oh, I hate explaining tartar sauce to them. <laughs> and it was really great. And it was me and this girl who would do a monologue from Anastasia, right? When the grandmothers are like, who are you? And she's like, but I, I remember now. And I'm like, I don't have time for you. I'm going to be weird. I'm going to be weird. I'm going to explain tartar sauce. Um, and so we would battle out each, each time we meet. It's like one round. I'd get first, she'd get first the next one, third one, and it was just this thing. And so we did that, and, you know, things, random weird boarding school things happened. My theater teacher got totally trashed and then drove us all to Indianapolis for finals while she was totally trashed. And I was all like, I can't deal with the stress of it! It's too much! I can't perform! And then come to find out there were only three people in the top four advanced because I didn't perform I didn't advance. I was so mad. I've never been so mad an adult before. So anyway, that, it, it really did spark that long story to get around the corner. Uh, that sparked that. And then when I was in high school, they're like, you know, you can go to college for this. And I was all like, huh? So I, I did my research and I was going to triple major. I was going to triple major in music, theater, and telecommunications because, you know, if you're going to be an overachiever, overachieve. Right. Um, so I applied to all my schools and because I'd gone to boarding school, I really wanted to go to boarding school in London. My parents were like, please stay in the States. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to college now. I'm going to go to London. They're like, you were at boarding school. Can you just please stay in the States? And I was like, Ugh, you're the worst. And um, I thought it would be funny because I clicked the wrong webpage. I was making sure I was like, yeah, these are the schools I want to go to. I clicked the wrong webpage somehow and it came up for Cornish. 
And I was like, that would be hysterical to tell my parents I was moving to Seattle. So I did the little application and whatnot, and um, I sent them all in. And then a couple of months later, my number one choice was like, hey, you did your video audition wrong. You have 24 hours to get us a new copy so that we can make a decision. And I'm all like, Really? Right. So I went to government class, and uh, there were eight of us in the class. And I was like, hey, uh, New York or Seattle? And they were like, hmm, New York got three votes and Seattle got four. And <laughs> that's how I make major life decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what started off as a really great prank ended up being my life. And then I got here to Cornish, and, you know, I didn't really know anything about the program and then I, I, I wanted to be film. I wanted to be a film actor. I was like, we need more black dresses in the world. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, theater. It's easier to start big and then go small. And so I was like, okay, this will be great training. And once I got to Cornish, I realized I knew nothing and that I was screwed. I wasn't screwed in like a little bit. Maybe if you do a little bit of extra research or an extra credit project, you'll be fine. I was like nuts and bolts screwed. <laughs> and so um, it, it was it was a learning curve, a hard one. And I mean, there are part of me that I'm like, thank you for not kicking me out. Thank you all for your patience with me. Thank you for trusting a snot-nosed little brat, because I was. I was a brat in those days. And they still all made it in, you know? I took a year off after I graduated, and I just let it process. And then I was like, all right, I get it. Let's get a job now. And once I did that, you know, I came out of the gate, and I've been working ever since. And I took a year off to kind of, like, figure out, do I still love it? Do I still want it? You know? I'm older. The black doesn't crack, but I'm older. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, if you are going to make this your life, this is the crossroads that you need to make that decision at. And so I took a year off and I was like, okay, this is what normal people do. They make plans. They actually go to them. You don't send a text being like, sorry, can't have rehearsal. <laughs> like the fact that my phone knows that <laughs> is upsetting. Auto, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, same <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was just really pleased that I was accepted by this community of artists and people have been willing to guide, craft, mentor, hire, accept, deal with, put up with, and love all of me and all my crazy and wackiness because we're all still growing. We're all still figuring it out. And it, it's great to do it together when everyone's like, you know what? You're a little weird, but I'm a little weird too. Come on over. We'll be weird together. That's what's so great about theater, right? I right. mean, like growing up, I was such a weird, I was such a weird little kid, but like in the best, I mean, like I had, I had my... Okay, remember the movie Home Alone? And yes! He was, he was the talk boy. Yeah. I talk girl. Oh. Right? A pink. I was about to say, was it pink? The same thing. Yeah. I still have it. Uh, Do you use it? I should. I should. Oh my gosh, I order some want, pizza I and use it. I kind of want to so, like record a podcast on it and then like. Yeah. Because you can play with the speeds on it. Anyway. Uh, but I mean, my friend, and it's, it's uncanny. You really, really remind me of my best friend growing up, Julia Hannaway. Uh. And we would just, 
we would act out all of the Disney songs for that big movie that came out that summer in the backyard. We would be doing this, like, weird-ass improv. Like, yeah. any, like, like, the level of, like, the, um, I don't know if you've seen the, it's the, uh, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross have... They, I mean, it's not Mr. Show reimagined, but they've sure. done a limited release of sketches for yeah, Netflix yeah. that just came out. So it was, I mean, it was stuff like that. And we were, I mean, we're like seven, eight years old in the back, you know, like backyard doing this, playing with swords, playing Power Rangers. We thought it was, this is horrible. But we, I mean, you look, you look just like Julia, but yes! we would play, ta- we would play tag. Uh-huh. This is ridiculous. This is the first story I've. First time I've told the story on the podcast, but we would we would play tag, except that, and it was just two of us. Yeah, but except when we would tag the other person, we would yell hate crime at the top of our lungs. Yes, tag hate crime. <laughs> but like we're like, and so like we're these like seven eight year old little girls yes. running around screaming hate crime, crime. and then whenever we were no. at a restaurant. Whenever we were at a restaurant, I would take the salt shaker, she would take the pepper shaker, and we would have this, like, <laughs> racially conscious, like, little puppet theater, um, and, but it's, like, theater embraces people like that. It doesn't, right. it doesn't say, You're too sit weird down, for us. shut up, it says, yeah. can you go further with it? Like, yeah. what, like, anyway. Yeah. So, yes, theater is for weird people, and I love that it is. It, and even even those who aren't so weird, like I've got a number of friends. I've got a neurosurgeon. She's an actor because you know when you're not just playing somebody's brain, you're like, hey, let me go be some weird thing, elf thing, and you're just like, could you get any cooler? I, I was, I, uh, I'm gonna turn in my cool card. You can have it. You're like what? Yeah, I I love this community. I love that they're supportive. I love that they're passionate. I love that when they see an injustice, they're like, I'm not going to let that slide by. I'm going to say something. Right. You know, they speak to it to the best of their ability. They don't fill in the blank for somebody else. They're like, this is what I know about this topic. If you know something else, let me, let me, let me introduce you to this conversation. But, um, yeah, people are, people are red and boy, can we drink. I need to like come up with. I should come up with like a theatrical Mustang cocktail. There would definitely be whiskey in it. I know that, but I need to. I need to figure. I used out. to be a bartender. I will help you with. Will this. you come up with a theatrical Mustang cocktail? Yes, that would be amazing. Can I drink it every time you have a podcast, or every time I listen to a podcast? I think you should. I think you should. There should be a drinking. Ga- I don't know what the drinking game would be. Oh my goodness! So you. You have a format, so each time it's like each time uh, someone brings up a new production, or yeah, or name, yeah, throw it down there. If you know them, drink two. If you don't, just one. I think that's great. That's a good one. I, it's, um, it's 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 it's. I will take it under consideration. Yeah. This is we're making magic happen right now. We're making magic <laughs> and alcoholics <laughs> to make up to the world. So Happy if this Kwanzaa. were inside the actor's studio, which is wow. But uh, I want to get to Codename Kansas because it's awesome. But that was so recent. I want to. I want to. Some. What are some of your like greatest hits in the greatest Seattle hits. theater scene? Like the the roles that James Lipton would be like um, in this yeah, year. Yeah. You this portrayed year. so and something so. something. Yeah, I, I was really I was really busy this year, and not to toot my own horn, but like 
Toot toot, y'all. <laughs> toot toot toot. Um, I I have opened a show every month this year since April, and congratulations. Thank you. My apartment looks a wreck. You know, tech house. <laughs> oh, when oh. your house when I've you're never like heard I'm tech in house before. I am using house. that phrase henceforth. Yeah, everybody knows what I talk about when you're like I'm in tech. My house looks a hot mess. Please don't come over. I can't make your kids cookies. Um, everybody knows that. Tech house. My house has been tech house for way too long. And I love my roommate because he makes my life happen. Um, but yeah, uh, this year, this year, this year. I loved, I was in stage rights production of Are You There, God? It's me, Karen Carpenter. Uh, there was Janie. And I love Janie. You know, the, the whole show was great. I feel like with shows, you know, you either started on a six and then glide up to a ten. But Karen Carpenter, you had to walk around the stage, and then it was like, bam, eleven. And you just went from there. And at the end of it, you're like, I'm barely holding on. But this is amazing. And for Janie in particular, with that script and in the book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Karen Carpenter. Or sorry, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, there really is no backstory for Janie. There's nothing to be said about her. I went through the script, I did my text analysis, and there is nothing to highlight about things that people have said about her. I was literally running on whatever creativity that I had. And so to make the choices that I did, to make a well-rounded character, to make just someone who was like, okay, and, and I talked to Brendan Mack, and I love Brendan Mack. If you don't know Brendan Mack, put him on your to-find list, to, to, to meet list, and I think you should meet him. I think you should have him on the podcast. I think that's my nomination. I think you should always have a nomination. Nom- my oh, next nomination to patch the torch, Brendan Mack. Um, Noted. Yeah. Um, so Brendan and I have worked together a couple of times. And so when he cast me as Jane, he's like, I trust you. I trust you to know this and to figure this out. And I'll see you on the other side. And I was like, thanks for the trust but at the same time really okay and so to build her in a way that you're just like this is a real person and people are like that poor child that poor child is a wonderful hateful adult you know like when you can honestly see the child grow up into an adult and you're just like oh you created a hot mess i'm like yep i sure did she was a messy character. She was a messy kid. And I think we're all messy kids, especially going through puberty and being, you know, like one of the things I always have to think about, um, no matter where I'm cast at, uh, for the three girls or for the four girls, we had uh, Emily Rose, Emro, we had Abby and we had Olivia Lee and uh, then we have myself. And so in that, you know, they're all white and I'm this black girl and in the seventies, what is that? You know, what is it to hang out with three girls, three three white girls who are like, oh, well, this is what I do and this is what I do. And I, I kept telling Brendan, I was like, you ha- you don't have to say it, but you do have to acknowledge the fact that she is black hanging out with these women or these girls, you know. And there was a moment where uh, in the lines was like, full colored copy, one of the characters. And she didn't realize it for about halfway through the run. But she would always hold my shoulder and look at me when she was like, colored copies. And after she would leave, I would just whisper as an ad lib. I was like, did she just call me colored? Yeah. And I mean, like, that was my way 
of saying, right. you have to acknowledge this. Right. You know, at some point we turned her into an afro as opposed to, like, the straight hair. Because that's what was happening in the times of people being like, you know what? I'm discovering that my black is beautiful. And I'm going to show that. And especially when you're going through puberty, that change of, like, who am I? I don't know. Who are you? I'm a merman. <laughs> I'm a merman. <laughs> Yay, Zoolander. Zoolander. <laughs> yes. I'm horrible. I'm so horrible. Continue. Wonderful. Uh, okay. So, uh, what are, Janie, are there, are there, pre, are there pre this year shows? Oh yeah. Um, Book It Repertory Theater, uh, did a book, Bud Not Buddy by, uh, Curtis something, something. I'm a bad actor right now. His name's Curtis. It's there. Uh, I love that book. I love that book because it's about a little boy who was told by his mother, you know, if this is your name, your name is Bud, not Buddy. And once she passes, he starts on this journey to figure out who his family is, who his dad is, and things like that. And he gets passed around from um, orphanage foster homes. And he just starts out on this adventure, and he finds this band. He's like, oh, I know you're my daddy. Yada, yada, yada. And it has a little great button, ribbon, tie, bow of an ending. And for me, when I read that story the first time, I was like, well, this is just fine. And then it really reminded me a lot of my father. Um, my father was in a lot of foster homes. Um, my grandmother passed early on, and so he went to stay with his aunt, and so he went on a journey to find his dad. It didn't end up with a bow. It was awkward. Uh, but there was something about his playfulness as a child that reminded me of my father in the book. And so every time I would do that show, and I was asked to do it twice, um, it, it was like talking to my parents. I feel like there's certain shows that you can talk to people in a way that you can't. So whenever Earl Alexander would be Bud, you know, and I was Desmond Malone, and, you know, they'd be down by the river doing dishes, and she would just kiss him. I was like, oh, my God, this is weird. This is, I wonder what my dad's first kiss was like. But in that research, right. I got to explore who my father was. And it's not like he wasn't there. He was there all the whole time. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just one of those things where – that story brings me so much joy and being a part of it in any way. You know, I would have sat backstage in a crumple up little thing just to be, to be near it. I really love that show. Um, Calling Nancy Drew, once again, a Brendan Mac show, stage right show. Um, that was great because it was like Lisa Turtle and a fat kid merged to make Betsy, like, to make bets. It was great, because I was like, so I really want to eat? And every single he was like, okay, great. There was one where I just literally came out with a whole thing of frosting, and I would just eat it. One time, our customer came out with cupcakes. She made cupcakes for us all, and I was like, I'm taking the cupcake on stage! And I get it out there, and I realize oh boy, how do I get this cupcake off stage or how do I eat it? And then I think about like my track and I'm like, you don't have time to eat it gracefully. So I just point, I was like, look over there. And as everybody looks over there, I take the cupcake and I just like, <gasps> yeah. And like take it and inhale it. And her grandmother was like, honey, I was watching her. She had one of your cupcakes and then it was just gone in <laughs> one bite. I just don't know where she put it. And I'm all like, no, I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for watching. But uh, I'm always, I'm happy to do 
most in any shows. I've met some of my best friends, some of my family doing shows. Um, I don't know. They're all great. They're all great for different reasons. You know, a lot of my characters are centralized. Like, my jumping off point is either, like, my mother or my father or somebody that I know. And I'm just like, okay, great. So there are a lot of points where I start off as my mother and then it morphs into something else. And my sister and I have this thing. I'm like, do you want me to be mom? Like if she has a proposal for my mother, I was like, do you want me to be mom? She's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, now Lena, now when you say that this is your plan, what is your intention to have you written it down? And if I lend you money, in what time frame do you want to pay me back? And, and, and it's so weird and so great that we laugh about it. And I'm like, you know, this is what we do as actors. We have people locked inside of us that when they want out, they want out. <laughs> Absolutely. So great. Yeah. Uh, I think now's a great time to talk about Codename Kansas. Yes! Sorry, I got really stoked about that. Such a fun show. Thank you. Tell me about how you first were introduced to it and about how you built that character. Coding Kansas is a, a production that was put up by stage. Oop, nope. By Copious Love. And uh, I, one, I love the kids at Copious Love. They're amazing. They're really about their love. <laughs> and I love them. Tony, Lacey, Chelsea, um, all of them. Saya, Missy, I love all of them. They are really great. And so when the discussion of Codename Kansas was, it started off as a joke between Dick, the writer, and Brendan, Chelsea's brother, also another writer. And it started off as a joke. And it then became this thing that they're like, oh, no, you guys should write that. Oh, no, you're writing that. Oh, no, let me read your first draft. Okay, we're editing this. Okay, we're now getting a cast. And, you know, it's this thing that was just kind of snowballing and became so real and so amazing. And AIE totally came through with our backgrounds. Like, how do you have a show that doesn't have a set and right. yet has one? Um it was really great, and to be a part of that process was amazing because I think it was 42 pages and 26 fights, something ridiculous, just just ridiculous. And I was like, okay, I'm top-heavy, please don't make me a hot fight. <laughs> um, Tom Dewey came in, and he just cranked it out. He was like, these are your fights, and they're going to be awesome. And he did. He did a wonderful job with them. Yay, brutality. Proud of you, <laughs> gangsta. Um, and... I don't know, Lauren came, not Lauren, wow, hi, um, Nicole came in and really just added her personal flair of like the nerdum, the geekdom about it, and from there, building these characters that were influenced by the Wizard of Oz, and yet not, like, how do you deconstruct them into the essence of what they were, and then what was really great, Dick and Brendan wrote origin stories for each of our characters, so if you go online, you can read the origin stories, which are really great, and, um, you know, there were some that you're just like, whoa, this explains so much about this character, especially with Codename Kansas, um, so when we got to Leo, um, which would be the, the cowardly lion. Cowardly lion, for all intents and purposes. Uh, uh, parallel. Yes. Uh, yes. With and your battle cat. With my battle which cat. Which is Amy. I love Amy so much. I can't. I can't even. I love everybody. Okay. Um, but, yes. I love Amy. Jesus. Um, 
Leo was a cowardly lion. She was a hacker, and she, she was really good. She's really good at hacking. Like, she knows where her strengths lie, and she's like, I don't want to cross that line. And so she created this cat, uh, which was played by Amy, and if violence needed to be done, she made her cat take care of it. <laughs> and it, it was great. Love that. Yeah. Was it written as a female role originally, Leo? Leo was not. Leo was scripted for a white male. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. I can't get mad at the colorblind casting because then things like that happen. And I'm all like, what? I just took a white male role. But then it, Don't it, get it, mad. It made, it made you, it made you uh, remind me of my friend Julia even more because, like, that, like, she, like, she writes stories for video games. Like, that's, like, that, like, she is Leo, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's her reality, like, right. as a grown up. Like, it's so yeah, such that's love for that part. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was it was very interesting to come into it because I'm like on the down low nerdy. I'm like, I, let's be clear. I just watched Star Wars for the first time this year, and I really had to be kind of forced into it. Uh, my boyfriend and his friends were like, "Oh look, look, the first Star Wars is on. We should we should watch it." And then last week they made me watch the last one so that when the new one comes out, I will be ready. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not a Star Wars girl. It's don't that's okay. I'm just not, you know, I I waited too long. The thrill's just not there. I see why people love it, but it's also watching. It's like watching Goonies when you're 40 and asking somebody to love it the way that I love it. It's it's just not going to happen. Back to Leo. Um, But yes, it, it was really great to kind of venture into that realm and say, look, you can be as nerdy and awkward as you want to be, which if you've met me, I am. I'm awkward. I'm I'm a whole bag of awkward, and and that's fine. And it was okay for let that to let that hang out and to show and to be like, I'm a big girl. I'm gonna be awkward and massive hair, and you know it came into a conversation of, you know, and I love them. I absolutely love them. But I almost didn't get it because they were like, she's 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 very lovely. Her skin and complexion's very nice. And how do we end up making her? not so lovely and so the agreement was we are going to pile tons of makeup on her and i was all like i'm totally down for makeup because i love it and so say jean was just like look here's what we have to do and in that ugliness it was just enough to just be like what i'm gonna manspread on the bus i'm gonna right. be as weird as i want to be i right. need an inhaler now and yes uh, i think when we were building our characters i realized uh leo didn't have a defense mechanism so what she had was grossness. So when they were coming at me with like all these like high tech, like, look, I can kick your butt moves. I'm all like, right. Nice to meet you. And they're like, yeah. ew, no, yeah. no, no. So, uh, she, she was great. She was great. And I know that there, there, there's rumors. Codename Kansas too. Yeah. The end of this trailer sort of alluded to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all have our thoughts on what we think it should do, when, who should be in it. And I'm like, you better, you better put me back in there. I want Leo in there just because, because I, I don't think I need a reason. But yeah, I, I loved her. I love them all in different ways. Who doesn't? We love the, all the characters. Such, we make. I mean, you fall in love with. Yeah, you fall mm-hmm. in love with each character you play. A little bit, and in a different way. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear about what's coming up next for you. Up we were talking next. a little bit about uh, drag shows. Before oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I do drag uh, 
I, I don't even know how to explain this. I'm going to explain it like I explain it to my mother on the phone, and then I will give you my interpretation of what Fantastic. happened. Fantastic. Uh, on my mother on the phone. I'm like, hi, Mom. How are you? I'm good. So what did you do with your week? Oh, nothing. I had a drag show. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what does that entail? Oh, uh, you know, I, I get dressed up and I hang out with some friends and then we go to Cremeworks and we, we host this thing called Art House and we invite other houses and they do a house battle and we come out with a winner and at the end, you know, we'll have one definitive winner and it's great. And in the meantime, you know, people can lip sync, people can do skits, sketches, things like that. Like the makeup is just fierce and fabulous and sometimes I feel like I'm not pretty anymore and she's like... Mona, um, I don't understand. So are you dressing up as a man or are you a woman? I'm a lady, mom. Okay. <laughs> How does that work? And, um, I explained to her, I'm like, uh, yeah, well, it technically makes me a bio queen. I'm a biological female dressing up as a drag queen. And she's like, huh. That's different. <laughs> and then we move on. <laughs> I okay. love her because sometimes my life just is too much for her. She's like, I don't even know what to do with that information. Right. I am right. proud of you. She always ends well, as long as you're happy. If you like it, I love it. And I love you, baby. Thanks, Mom. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, if you like it, I love it. I've heard most of my life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we do that at our Crimworks uh, the first Saturday of every month. And uh, in January, we've got January 2nd. It's the lip sync battle. So we've got some houses coming out to compete. And then with that, we also do uh, the House of the House of Keebler which is the house that I was a part of last year, which won. That's why we're hosting. So if some folks don't, if they're not, like, yeah. insane, uh, I should not use the word insane, if they're not enthusiastic RuPaul's Drag Race fans, they yes. might not know what the house of house, means. House you of, yeah. That. So, uh, you know when you're like, you're talented, you're talented, you're talented. I wish we could just market ourselves as talented people as a house. That's what a house is. It's a number of artists, um, particularly drag queens, that get together and say, you know what? This is the house of Lee. So we have Sparkle Lee. So uh, there's Ginger Lee. There's mm -hmm. Dementia Lee. Mm -hmm. uh, there's little Helen. There's Wrinkly. There's... <laughs> there's so many of us. I have Sadly. I also have Princess Cherry Cola. Uh, there's Abby Rhodes. There's so many of us. Apollo. Uh, there's so many. So many. Anyway, the point is Helen Tragedy, Shalita Pot Rose. There's so many of us. I'm sorry. But uh, yes, so we are all one house. And when we won Art House last year, that gave us the... Um, the winning rights to host this year. So this year we've been really kind of taking it back to uh, what is old drag and what is it to have a combination? You know, like, yes, you better look good. Look good. Have your look and turn it out. Your lip sync, it better be on point. But at the same time, you also want to have, like, what is... What is your shtick? Like, are you good at comedy? Are you good at innovative, you know, theater, performance art? What is it that you're good at? Show us. And then, you know, people get to vote, and it's all about voting, so you should always come out and support. 
but sometimes it's really about hanging out. Sometimes if I'm coming from a show, I'm like, I don't have time to dress up and whatnot. I'm just going to be there. Okay, great. And it's the most wonderful time ever. People are so supportive. You get to see a lot of great artists that you normally don't see in, uh, in a way that you normally don't see them. So I always, I don't know. I just love supporting people that are enthusiastic and that are passionate about their craft. Whether, you know, it's traditional theater as we know it or if it's performance, you know, in any form. Absolutely. So, and it's, it's not as easy as it looks. I've learned that. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get up there and sing. And then I'm like, you guys, I don't know the words to Dream Girls anymore. I don't know what happened. How do I not know the words to Dream Girls anymore? I'm like, what? So, uh, that's always interesting. But it, it is amazing. It's one of my favorite things. We've got Tainted Tales, which opens tomorrow. Um, we've got a couple of those coming up and Art House. And then let's see what the schedule says. I, I follow my schedule and my emails. Like, if you're my stage manager, I will keep showing up if you keep emailing me. Because yeah. I can't I can't look at my life and my schedule without freaking out too much. Um, I got uh, Best Christmas Pageant Ever with Seattle Public Theater, which is great. They're in their 16th year of it. And it's it's fun. You've got a lot of uh, the youth theater actors in there, and they're talented too. And there's sometimes I'm like, you are carrying this show. You have more lines than I do, and you are nailing each one. And you're 12. What was I doing with my life when I was 12? I was trying to figure out poop. Who knows? Well, I, feel, <laughs> I feel the same way. The the by the time oh wait no the time I post this there'll be one more show of Adam's Family. But there are all these great. Uh, youth actors age 12 to 19 who are in it who yeah. have come over from Studio East in Kirkland and I'm just like I did not have half the poise that no. you do like they are hungry and they are well trained yes. and I'm excited so excited to see what they do next I am too as long as they don't take my job well. <laughs> I mean like let's call a spade a spade you can be cute you can be talented don't take my job <laughs> I love them <laughs> you are yes so we have that and then I'm also co-directing Weird Romance with Stage Right along with Brenda Mack once again um, Josh Moore uh, is assistant directing the first act, which is, oh goodness, it's about, it, they're all based off of Twilight Zone episodes and things like that, and that runs oh, from the 5th to the 20th, and then I'm directing the second act along with Brendan, and that's her Pilgrim Soul, and it's got a sci-fi feeling to it, you know, there was an article I was reading about bringing sci-fi to theater, and how do we do it, and how do we initiate that, and do we have to make it all sci-fi, or can we blend that gray area which I think coming off a of codename Kansas and riding that ride and then having to get back on the ride again for weird romance yeah. I, okay I think I'm a little bit better prepared for that but at the same time who knows what the future holds it's weird romance so yeah it's, right on. And yeah. we'll have the, the link to uh, both of those projections in the episode description. As we sort of bring this to a close, I want to know what's on your bucket list. Are there roles where you're yes. like, yeah, yeah, this is happening, this is happening in the next five years, next ten years. I need to play this role. Um, there's a part of me that wants to be Sophia, Sophia in The Color Purple because I've watched The Color yes. Purple since I was like four or five. It, I know it by heart. Um, my sister and I are super close, and there's something about being in a show, in that show in particular, that I'm just like, I just need to take care of business and wrap that up. Um, I would love to be in the Book of Mormon. There's a part of me that is afraid to get in that show, because if I told my mother, hey, mom, I got a show, 
said, Becca Mormon. Oh, that's great. That's different. If you <laughs> like it, I love it. Um, and <laughs> then she would come to the show, and then we'd nice. be like, Hasadiga Ibawai. And she'd be like, oh, no. And you'd see this black woman dragging <laughs> me off the stage. <laughs> and they'd be like, you're guys, I can't be in the show anymore. My mom, the streetlight came on. I have to go home. So uh, I want to nail that one, but I, I, I don't know. I also want to do a one-woman story of... And this is horrible. I shouldn't be laughing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the week that my father died. It is one of the most hilarious, hilarious things that I've been through in my entire life. Like, going to the funeral home and hanging out with Ruth. She made funeral homes seem like they're the place to go. I'm like, can I get a cocktail? I will come and hang out with you just because I have free time. Um, I So, I want to do a one-woman show about that. Uh, it... My sister graduated the same week. My dad died. And then a week later, my mother's ex-husband died. So my nieces and nephews lost two grandfathers within like six days. They had been to so many funerals. And I was like, not all black men die. And I had to explain that to them. I was like, this is not your fault. This is not anything you did. It's just the circle of life. Yeah, okay. I want to... I don't want to do the Lion King, but I want to do the Lion King. <laughs> um, uh, what else is there? There's so many, there's so many shows, and it really it kind of has to go to what am I in the mood for? Um, I'm getting Trojan Women checked off the list soon, so that'll be great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I want to keep growing, and I want to keep working, and I want to keep pushing the boundary of what I determine art to be. And I want to keep playing and seeing what's out there. And, you know, if people hire me and they let me do that, brava to them. I think you're a little crazy, but I love you. I love you. And so I am always grateful for all work. But, yeah, I would love to be Tracy Turnblad, but that's not a thing. That is not a thing. If somebody's going to do hairspray and they need a black Tracy Turnblad... Call me. Black doesn't crack. I am flawless right now. <laughs> we should end this. We should end this before I keep talking. I just love. It. I and it is. It is time to. It is. It is time to bring our time to a close. Mm-hmm. Would you do me a favor though? Yeah. Would you? Would you? Would you end the podcast singing a little bit of Tracy Turnblad? A little bit. Maybe okay. a little good morning, morning Baltimore. Just a couple bars. <laughs> good morning, Baltimore. Every day's like an open door. Every day's like a fantasy. I don't know the whole words from here, but I love you, Baltimore. And I'll take to the floor. The world's gonna wake up and see. Gonna wake up and see Baltimore and me, Baltimore and me. Sorry, I totally invited you into my shower. That was amazing. Thank you for letting me put you on the spot. Yeah. And thank you. You were such a delight to have on the podcast. You are rocking my world. I'm super stoked about this whole drinking game and nomination I'm gonna, series. I'm going to follow up with you on the cocktail. Yeah. Yes. I'm totally down for that. It's happening. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs>